Welcome back to Professional Wrestling, the podcast with the chosen lawyer and the guy that apparently robbed the merch store at AW Toronto, the one and only JP Elcury. Jean-Pierre, welcome back to Professional Wrestling. It feels great to be back. Man, I tell you, I think I got a bit more merch than they had on display there. <laughs> well, Timur was holding down the fort for you while you were away from I us uh, and recovering. You're all you're 100% now. Uh, you were not uh, cosmetically cleared to podcast. Yeah, it, it took a bit, but I'm, I'm now ready to go. Perfect. Well, while the, while the Maxim models are not back, you are. <laughs> oh, so, it's true. It's damn true. <laughs> so now I, I have my lonely shirt. You know, today I tried to bring out a killer one. You have a whole collection here going yeah, I, I couldn't help myself. Uh, this past weekend was Forbidden Door. Absolutely uh, was an incredible event. Look forward to jumping right into you. But some of the stuff at the merch store, I just couldn't say no. As soon as I saw the FTR shirt and the Bullet Club gold, I had to have it. So nice. You got one of the leading merch collections in uh, Toronto, Ontario, Canada, <laughs> for sure. So I was going to give you a choice today, you know. Uh, we can either talk about uh, the recent NXT episode and talk about the family sit down for the schism, or we could jump in and talk about Forbidden Door 2. What's your preference? Forbidden Door 2 all day, buddy. How can uh, we not talk about such a fantastic event? All right. So we're going to say goodbye to the schism for now. They'll be back at another time. <laughs> this is what it's going to be a very slow wrestling day for sure. We're not going to cover every single match at Forbidden Door 2, but first and foremost, our 30-second take, I got to tell you, you know, from what Forbidden Door 1 was to what I went in with the high expectation this time around, waiting for the, you know, the card of the year, I don't think they're disappointed. I walked away blown away from beginning to end. Five hours, and you know what? I, I could have stayed for more. Same. I was... I was thrilled with the whole lineup. It felt very WrestleMania to me, WrestleMania 18, with the way the cards kind of played out. And we'll get into that in a bit, why I felt that way. Uh, but it was just absolutely amazing. Some some real standouts. It was such a, a treat to see so many uh, uh, talents for the first time. Like, it was my dream to see Sting. I never thought I had a chance. And, you know, we got it against Jericho no less so like two of my two of the goats and two of my personal favorite of all time just there unbelievable I was in the bathroom when Jericho came out and people <laughs> in the bathroom were singing Judas that's all I gotta say on that one uh one of my favorites and I think one of the most underrated guys in AW we're not gonna touch upon every match but the opening opening First match before the real card began. So yeah. it was scheduled for 8 p.m. It went around midnight, but at 7 p.m. we got a six-man tag, and or it was or, or was it an eight-man tag with with AW? I've lost track already. Yeah. <laughs> but can we please give our due to Swerve Strickland? I love Swerve. Yeah. I think Swerve is amazing. He was there the night before in Collision, and I just think he's one of those underrated performers they got. What's your take? Yeah. Absolutely. Swerve uh, really stepped up. He got the crowd around them as soon as whose house hit. You just heard the building erupt. So, you know what? Kudos to him, man. He brought it both nights. Uh, we were there uh, for both Collision and uh, 
Forbidden Door, and he brought it both nights. Also on the pre-card, I would like to say um, ELP. That guy just was incredible. I think I think this guy is gonna go a long way in in the company. Even with his uh, dollar store jacket that looks like he put his Christmas lights on, <laughs> but when the theme song comes out, and they're like E E L P P. Yeah, it was good. It gets I like you LP. hooked, man. ELP is awesome. He was really good. Really, I'm really liking. Good. I'm liking me some ELP for sure. Uh, let's give him his kudos. Uh, he was great. And another guy that you know was rumored to go to WWE for the longest time, still may go there one day. And, you know, he kind of seemed a bit of a meathead. But you know what? I think he's also a really great one out there when you really give him the opportunity. He's Brian Cage, actually. Oh, I love Brian Cage. I've been a big fan of his since I uh, came across him in AEW. And I, I think he's really talented. I think he's way underutilized. Um, right now, he is one of, uh, I, I believe, ROH's uh, trios champions. And... <laughs> It's hard to keep up with all the trios, but yeah, he's one of their champions. And you know what? He's doing a great job. I'm happy to see him get screen time and further exposure because that guy works hard, man. And he he's really committed to it. I, I, I really am a big fan of Brian Cage. And when he's out there with the, with the performers, he's talking with them. You could see he's into yeah. it. And like he seems like a good teammate. And I like the combo with him and Swerve. You know what? Uh, mm-hmm. I like it way better, Swerve, with the Embassy. Rather than swerve with uh, with Parker Bordeaux and whoever the heck the other guy was, they looked like he pulled like these junkies out of the back of an alley. I don't know what happened to those guys, but they, they were not helping swerve at all. No. And I like I like him moving over to the embassy with Prince Nana, and you know what? Uh, good good combo for sure. Absolutely. So we agreed we're gonna dump out a few of the opening matches. We had a little bit of beginning going. That was great. There was yeah. thirteen matches. Plus the undercard on freaking real. This is yeah. considering that some some of the matches went half an hour to an hour. So we were there a long, long time. First, first guy. The one, the only, the holder of the triple B, Mr. MJF. He's better than us, and we know it against the ace of the universe, Hiroshi Tanahashi. Um, for a matchup in itself, uh, any MJF match now. I got to tell you, JP, I'm not blown away in the sense that there's the calculated formula. He he gets the upper hand. The other guy gets the upper hand. He goes into his tights, gets the the, the pinky ring, ring, cheats, gets rid of the ring, wins. I get it. This is the continual formula. Uh, I think that on uh, any betting side that allowed wrestling, I think that he um, MJF was like a minus 5,000. Like he is not. <laughs> everybody who's walking out of there with the belt. Why yeah. did we care about this match? And why was this a dream matchup for Forbidden Door? Uh, to me, I think why we cared is because MJF. MJF is is so hot right now. He makes everything elevated. He's elevating the belt, in my opinion. He's showcasing it really well. One of the best active heels today. I don't think anybody's near his level. Uh, on near the level of the devil, as he likes to say, right? So he's he's one of uh, you know the most charismatic guys out there. So he makes any match feel important, regardless of opponent. Um, Tanahashi was uh, awesome in the match. They had uh, I like the uh, the joking back and forth between them, the taunting back and forth between them, and 
you know, that's that's what makes an MJF, uh, MJF match special is the back and forth and, and the interaction with the crowd. Uh, just seeing all that, his his disgust for even being in Toronto is fantastic, right? And he and he and then it, I don't know if you saw his uh, Instagram afterwards where he's rushing not. through the airport. He's rushing to the airport to just to get out of the city. It's hilarious, right? So that's that's why we care. In my opinion, that's why we care about these matches. Is MJF makes it um, something of value. I was telling my colleagues for sure MJF is wrestling early on because he wants to get out of here as quick as possible. Yeah. And sure enough, he did. I, I think he's a great champion for them. I think he promotes the brand well. And I don't need him wrestling every single week. I need I just need to come out and talk for sure. And you know, it's like the uh, Hulk Hogan when he was a champion back in the day. It brings prestige to the championship. We don't need them wrestling every single day and every single uh um uh, series you know the same way that seth rollins is going around in nxt etc yeah. we don't need that for mjf it's fine and he negotiated for himself uh ace wrestled the night before at collision so you know i knew he'd be tired um didn't quite blow me away but look we're not seeing the ace of his prime for sure like part yeah. of the reason why jim Cornette was so unimpressed with forbidden door was because he says we've seen these guys past their prime they're doing this this circle soleil acrobatic act and they're all <laughs> broken down like and, and you know what and, and he's not that far off on some parts of it like you look at the uh six-man tag when we had sting right and we yeah. had uh jericho and both of those guys, it looked like the, their partners were in their 70s, you know, but that's okay. You know what? Uh, we know the names. We don't need them to be in their prime. They put on a good show. That's good enough for me. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, I think having MJF in the number one slot for the pay-per-view was the best move possible because some of the matches afterwards were just masterpieces. So it was, it, it, I, I don't think he... You know, I don't think there was ever a mistake putting him first to start it up. I think it was a really good move. They built it up well. I got to say, from the standpoint of how they made the matches and they did the card and the order they did them in, they did the right amount. You can't start this thing with a one-hour grueling match. You just yeah. cannot. You're going to exhaust the heck out of us. We have to build up into it, put it later in the card, really blow us away. So I was okay with that. The next match, which I, you know, they went back to back to back to back. They were going with names now. Like they're really going yeah. hard. From the night before, we already saw the Toronto crowd really hates CM Punk. Okay. They cannot stand yeah. him. And he <laughs> loved it. He loved Absolutely. it. He was playing it up beautifully. I love how he did the Hulk Hogan. He did the, the ear. Yeah. And then he did the leg Big drop, boot. although he sh should have gone crisscross once, twice instead of doing it immediately. Yeah. So he screwed up on that one against Satoshi. Kojima. So we knew CM Punk's going to win this one. Okay. I don't know what has happened here because when he was in Chicago, clearly it's his hometown. They're loving him. Wrestling fans love CM Punk. We're all glad he's there. Why did the Toronto crowd hate him so much? I was loving, loving booing CM Punk because I just wanted to give it back to him because I love AEW, as you know. <laughs> You know, that's my favorite promotion right now. And I love AEW. And to see how how much of a damage he did in the in the backroom brawl that it almost derailed the company, I felt. I just felt like expressing my dislike towards him. 
you know, it wasn't anything that he'd necessarily done on camera. It's all of the backstage stuff. And I think that's why he got so much heat is the passionate AEW crowd was just reminding him of the fans are the ones that run the place. We're the ones that decide who's who and who's uh, going to be successful at the end of the day. We really are, right? They They want things to move. And I think Chicago was really easy for him to come back to. Of course, he's going to get it's like when edge shows up here edge could do just about anything come to toronto or trish stratus come to toronto and they're gonna get a huge pop that's just the way it is <laughs> thank you trish right always thank you trish and you know so him coming here i think the passionate wrestling crowd from across canada not only toronto that gathered here to take part in collision and forbidden door just really wanted to to get across that the fans are really upset with you and and you're not as big as you think you are over with all the crowd. I'm going to play devil's advocate for a moment here because Always. I'm not buying all of this shenanigans. And I think a lot of it was played up a little bit more than it had to be. And we're going to talk about backstage shenanigans. Mr. Kenny Omega and the Elite... Though his his twin his twin boy Bozo's there, those guys are the masters of it. If anybody, so if CM Punk had to give it to them, I'm glad. But reality is like this: even if you really do hate him, you're really happy he's there. You love booing hundred percent. The show was way better because CM Punk was there. The crowd still popped like crazy. You still love to hear cult of personality. So whether yeah. you love him or hate him, you know what? And and MJF calling him looking like he's a reformed crack addict. But you know what? <laughs> uh, maybe maybe CM Punk needs to hit a CrossFit gym or two. But you know what? He looked like he was in good shape. Yep. Did everything he had to do. I think he put on a great show. I'm giving him an A+. And I think he did great at Forbindor. And he certainly opened a lot of people's eyes. Absolutely. I like like I was booing him, but in between booing him, I'm singing uh, "Call to Personality." So, it it I'm definitely like I I was always looking forward to seeing CM Punk. It's just I felt a little upset still about the situation, and it felt good to boo him. and And I love that he played it up. He did really well. He's he's a terrific heel, right? Naturally, he's just so good at it, right? And he knows exactly how to work the crowd. At the end of the day, you know, it doesn't matter if you boo him or cheer him. He's just happy to get a reaction. And that's that's what he does best. I think he's probably one of the best to ever do that uh, with a crowd. And hearing the mixed reaction was really good. And I think it could lead to more storylines, too. I'm still torn because him, Rhea Ripley, Asuka... I don't know if I'm seeing heel or face because we've come into this zone again. We're coming back to the new, new, new world order where we actually want to cheer our heels and we hate our faces. Yeah. So we're really, really blurring the lines now. Like uh, that's where I'm seeing wrestling going again. And I, I'm okay with that. We don't have yeah. to have, you know, what's going on with judgment day and who's the real face who's the real heel. It doesn't matter anymore, but it's nice that we kind of cross over one guy in the next match that there's no doubt. I mean, if Tony Khan has posters of anybody all over his walls by his <laughs> nightstand in his wallet, there's one person who is Tony Khan's absolute favorite in the world, and it is freshly squeezed. Whatever. Okay, so <laughs> Orange Cassidy. Okay, so true story now. True story. Orange Cassidy used to be my whipping boy. Okay. 
I used to make fun of a lot of AEW wrestlers, and one of the people was Orange Cassidy. I said, how lame do we have this guy who comes out in his, <laughs> you know, stretchy jeans, putting his hands in his pocket. He looks like he's 12. I don't know if he's ever picked up a weight. Stupidest <laughs> gimmick. AEW should be ashamed of themselves. And then I went to Dynamite in Toronto. And at, in the feature match of the night, Orange Cassidy won the All-Atlantic. International. Uh, international, yeah. Atlantic, whatever it's called. And what was the belt global called? belt. What was it called <laughs> it was, at the time? I think it was the All-Atlantic Championship. Which is now the International Championship. International Championship, yeah. I got to tell you, it was one of the greatest wrestling moments I've ever seen live. The crowd wow. went bananas. When they went to the back to grab the backpack, yes. put it in, and then you got best friends there, and you know you give the high five and the thumbs up. You know, like it's, I get it, I get it. And at the end of the night of uh, of Collision, you know, Orange Cassidy it seems like it's an Orange Cassidy show most of the time, but Tony Khan yeah. comes out, talks to us. It's already midnight, and who comes out with him? Orange Cassidy. You know what? The crowd loves him. He's a great face. They got to keep that gimmick going as long as they can. I get it fully. Do you agree? Oh, 100, 110%. I was I was a big fan of Orange Cassidy from the go. I really liked, you know, because there's something so different, right? Uh, when I first saw him, you know, with hands in his pocket, just doing his thing, I'm like, what is this guy? And then, you know, the crowd going nuts over those low knee kicks that he does, the slow-mo sloth-like kicks. And the crowd goes nuts. It felt amazing. <laughs> the hands in the pocket. I love Dude, it. It's love the best, it. right? Love it. And then, you know, but we do have to give due to one more participant in that match. And uh, I, I, I got to say, Daniel Garcia, what dance moves? How terrific was that? So here's, <laughs> okay. So now we got this match, right? Yeah. Again, I, I, I can't memorize this. We got the international championship. Against the NJPW World TV Champion, Zack Sabre Jr., Ring yeah. of Honor, pure champion. Not the strong style champion, but the pure champion, Katsuyori Shibata. And the only guy without a participation award medal, <laughs> you know, is Daniel Garcia. It, I felt so bad for Daniel Garcia when all three of them at the end held up their belts yeah. and he just walks away with shame. <laughs> It was like musical chairs at the prom, and he's the only one leaving there without a date. But yep. how many championships do you need in one freaking uh, promotion? Like Ring of Honor, this is getting a bit much. I enjoy it. I love seeing gold come out. I like that it, it puts a bit of a highlight on a lot of wrestlers who normally wouldn't get a bunch of TV time. So I, I like it, man. I'm all for ROH. Um, you know, we got to attend two shows on Saturday as well of ROH. I really enjoyed them. It was my first ever ROH show. And I'm like, wow, this is great. And I got to see a lot of uh, great talent that I didn't know of before. And, I'm, you know, it, it made me a fan. And I'm grateful that they have actually all these belts. No, I was okay with the, with the Ring of Honor in general. I, I watched the matches before and after. They do the cross promotions as they should. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Uh, I, I think, you know, it's it's giving ROH more exposure because none of us will be watching it otherwise. And we don't know what yep. day they are and what's broadcast. <laughs> and I'm totally cool with that. And if you have such a giant roster of AEW stars, send some over to ROH, by all means. Yep. Daniel Garcia, I would say extremely underrated on the mic, underrated wrestler, definitely the best dance moves. You know, if uh, they make a Saturday Night Fever uh, trilogy, 
he should definitely be playing Danny. Uh, he was incredible. <laughs> or mixing up Greece now, but I don't know, whatever. But Danny Garcia for sure. And this is where you're seeing now the slow split of the Jericho Appreciation Society. You know, Sammy yes. Guevara's next, and they're all slowly going to split off. And that's okay. They've done their thing with it. Let them move on. I just want to know, where was Jake Hager during all this? Like, did he miss? Is he looking for his hat? Like, where is he around? Yeah. I heard it got lost at Pearson Airport. <laughs> well, Big Bill's uh, baby oil certainly did not. Uh, the next match, uh, the the most lame face is becoming the lamest heel. Yeah. And that's, oh, is Mr. Jungle Boy Jack Perry. <laughs> Uh, against Sonata. Uh, yeah. What was Hook doing out there? Besides the fact that, oh, big surprise, Jack Perry's turning on him. Hook did not contribute one single thing to this. He was just standing there with his hoodie on, just trying to look cool. Um, this match was kind of pointless. I, I think, to me, Jack Perry was kind of flat on this. I don't think he looked great yes. out there. Um, I think his whole shtick is starting to go... I think it's time for him to uh, accept and going to a man bun or just go to a brush cut. And I think he needs to start getting serious. I think he needs to call himself jungle man or something, but I think it's time for him to evolve this gimmick. It's gotten stale. And I I'm glad to see the face, the the face to the heel turn. I just hope he's going to do something with it. Absolutely. I, um, I, I was expecting the, the whole reason I thought hook was out there is I was expecting after the loss, for Hook to turn on Jungle Boy, be like, I don't want to associate with this loser. Go back to being tough, tough-hearted Hook, and that was it. I thought that would have made a lot more sense, and then have Jungle Boy be like feeling betrayed and everybody abandoned him, and have him go into that shtick. I think it, they both could have turned heel on that, and it would have looked really sharp. Um, but to have it, it surprised me. I will say I was really surprised to see Jungle Boy is the one that turned on Hook. That was really uh, shocking to me. The match itself, uh, you know, it, it it was really flat. And you're following up CM Punk, like, or sorry, you're following up like Orange, Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy, yeah, I can't. Right, so it's 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 a hard it's a hard sell. You're following right? you're following up MJF. You're following <laughs> up CM Punk and Orange Punk Cassidy, and now you're Jungle Boy, right? So it wasn't gonna happen. Um, yeah. I love I love the hook gimmick. I agree. Oh, I'm, I'm not a fan of him as a face. See, like if we would have had Hook turn on him, but people still chanting over at uh, Jungle Boy and like call him Jungle Loser or something would have been fun. And then have him snap and turn heel after. Yeah, we could have done something with that. So what I would have loved is pitcher Hook turning on Jungle Boy on stage, clobbers him, drops him. Hook gets up and goes to the announce table and grabs Taz and beats down Taz. Now you set up a nice storyline, you know, nice rivalry between them, right? So it's, they could have done so many cool things or Taz comes out to help him and like, you know, apologizes for Hook attacking him and then he attacks Taz. You know, they could have played it in that way. That's and I think that would have been a great story because now you get an instant heal because everybody loves Taz, right? And he's doing the right thing by coming out to try to help uh Jungle Boy. And what a great way to turn into a massive heal. Right? And I, I it's a real lost opportunity there. I think they could have done it a bit well, better. 
I think that Taz at the end of the day is really comfortable with now being a uh, broadcast journalist, you know, and, totally. and, and he's doing a great job at it. So I think he wants to stay off the, which I would have loved that. I would have loved him to come out and like shake jungle boys, hand, scald hook for a second. And then Taz and hook give it to jungle boy. Like that would have oh. been cool. There's so many ways we could have done with it, but yeah. you know, Another disappointment in the next match. It's funny. So we follow that up and we come back to a five on five grudge match. So the lovely 10 man tag, you know, garbage. And I got to say this much. I hate the elite, by the way. I cannot stand it, <laughs> but that's okay. I'm not a broadcast journalist for that. I'm allowed to say my opinions and I shall. <laughs> the one thing that disappointed me, I thought this whole match is going to disappoint me. I loved it. I loved it from beginning to end. I got to say, for a five-on-five, I think they did a fantastic job. This was the Blackpool Combat Club. The Blackpool guys without the Blackpool guy, because yeah. Regal's gone. He was the guy for Blackpool. But yet, all the remaining people still are Blackpool Combat Club. I don't get that. So we got the Ring of Honor World Champion, another belt, <laughs> Claudio Castellano. Uh, what was his name in WWE again? Cesaro. Cesaro, right. So we got Cesaro. And we got... Uh, Wheeler Yuta, my buddy, who I believe he's yeah. going to get booted out of uh, Combat Club soon. He's the weakest link for sure. 100%. Then we got John Moxley. What was his name in WWE? Uh, Dean Ambrose. Because one of my associates with me says to me, oh, my God, it's Dean Ambrose. I didn't know he's still around. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> he's like, oh, is the Shield getting back together? I'm like, yeah, things have changed a little <laughs> bit. So. And he had uh, Takeshita and Yumino against the Elite, Eddie Kingston, and Ishii. So, the one thing that disappointed me, where was Wild Thing? How did John Moxie came out from the crowd? But <laughs> what when, when we watched Dynamite a year ago, we didn't get Judas. This time we get Judas. How did we not get Wild Thing? What was up with that? Thank God we didn't. I I was so pleased not to get Wild Thing after that ten minutes of back or 15 minutes of back-to-back -back wild thing. I was hoping they weren't going to do that again. I was so relieved when I just heard regular music come out. I was like, you know, just a big sigh of relief. I, I couldn't picture 15 minutes of that with them standing in the ring, chopping each other for another 10. Like I just, I, I was really relieved there. <laughs> Uh, I was surprised Don Callis didn't come out with his protege, take a shitter, but uh, I gotta say, I like his heel turn. I think he, he did the man bun, wore black, so he's now a heel. I think he's great. I think the guy looks good, he looks the part. Uh, he's a fantastic ad, you know he's what? Dead, yeah. and, and he's a great heel, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. Uh, Cesaro looks great out there. You know what? Amazing. We saw, and we had him as the last match of Ring of Honor the night before as the champion. Yes. He is a giant. He's a big boy. And he's filled out well. And he wrestles well. He looks good out there. He puts on a great performance. And Wheeler yeah. Yuta is, is really underrated as well. Just he has to be the weakest out of the bunch. Because, you know, he's got a huge level of competition out there. The one guy I know everybody was looking forward to. Eddie Kingston looked like. You know, your uncle that sits around at the pizza shop and has another Panzerato. You know, he hasn't hit a gym in about 40 years. What's he doing out there wrestling? Well, he well, well, to be fair, you know, he did look like a professional. Like a professional. He has the build of a professional dart player. So <laughs> so he was he does look like a professional, just not like a professional wrestler. I I don't understand it. I don't get the big Eddie Eddie chance. Personally, I don't see 
anything that warrants it from him. But hey, you know, teach to their own. Uh, I think people just love chanting Eddie since Eddie Guerrero, right? <laughs> like, I think it's just an instant thing that people look forward to. But I don't know. I, I don't get it at all with him. Like, not in the slightest. He's not good technically. He's good on the mic, you know. Uh, but all in all, I, I don't get it. But hey, some lot uh, 13, 13, 5, thousand people 13,500 people were cheering right we were one of the 160 remaining that weren't I'm sure so another uh, guy I don't get in that in that vein is hangman page hangman page hangman Adam page I get him you get it because like to me he's not that good on the mic he's kind of like yeah. he's very whiny he's very choppy out there he's a little stiff I just don't think he's a very great wrestler. I don't think he's that great on the mic. He just looks like a washed up country wannabe star, you know? And I, I just feel sorry for the guy. Like even when he was champion, he was just, it was a very lame period of AW. Like it wasn't a yeah. really great, great champion, unfortunately. And, you know, I feel I like, the, I feel like you got to send him to, uh, to Mexico or Japan or somewhere, get him to brush it up, change his gimmick around a little bit, maybe cut his hair. Uh, but, you know, he fit in well with his group. And look, you want a bunch of faces. There you go. There's the faces against the heels. But as a wrestling match as a whole, I was very okay with it. Absolutely. And I, I think going back to um, going back to uh, Hangman Adam Page, he I actually really liked him with the Dark Order. I thought he was a really good fit for the Dark Order to come in, unfortunately, after Brody's passing, for him to come in and have you know, a whole team rally around him. I thought he elevated Dark Order a lot um, in that time. But since then, he's just been, he went back to the lead. He's, I, I don't feel it. I don't feel it as much for him, but I get why people like it because people love chanting cowboy stuff, <laughs> right? So, uh, so it's, he, he does have a good following. He does sell merch. So I think, I think we'll be seeing a lot more of him. Maybe the wrestling fans in Tennessee and Kentucky, they need to have somebody. So we then move yeah. along. We have the mandatory women's match. And this is for the AEW Women's Championship. And I got to say, I love Tony Storm. I just love Tony Storm. Tony Storm is awesome. I love hearing her talk. I love her on the mic. Love her wrestling. I, uh, I don't get that, but whatever. <laughs> but since she's tied to her hair and put on some contacts, I think Tony Storm is awesome. And I like her better than Jamie Hayter as a champion. I think she's more of a true champion. I just get more of a championship yeah. feel for her. I don't know why they ever took the belt off Britt Baker. I thought that, you know, she was going to have the belt for like Absolutely. 10 years. But Absolutely. I think they have to cut their, you know, they're dealing with that. You know, she's got to like let Adam Cole have his two minutes of fame, which we won't, won't talk about that till later. But uh, <laughs> you know what? Okay. Her against Willow Nightingale. We knew it was going to happen. Typical match, you know, interference. Bad girls about the spray paint. Somebody comes to rescue. The end. Usual formula. Yep, absolutely. And I just want to say that that match was perfect. It was perfectly timed for us to get up, go use the facilities, come back, grab snacks, and get going. Um, it was. I, I had no problem skipping out on that match. Tony Storm is a heck of an athlete. Just incredible. I just feel like Willow is miles behind. So it, I had no interest in in that match um, at all, and it, it kind of saddens me to see Tony in 
in a faction with uh, Soraya, aka Paige, and uh, Ruby Riot to see them all. Ruby Soho, Ruby Soho, Soho. right? Soho, sorry. <laughs> so, so to see them in a group is kind of sad because they're all such great competitors. I would like to actually see them go at one another. Um, I find that's a kind of a little trap that they're doing with the women's division is they put all the like, like um, uh, the, their most dominant women, they're just putting them in clicks. And it's kind of sad because they should be the ones competing. Uh, but they're doing a good job actually bringing up a couple for, uh, a couple of uh, young women through and hopefully they'll be uh, challenging for the belt soon. There's a lot of AW wrestling fans who would like to see Tony Storm and Soraya go at it. So NJPW yeah. strong women's champion. So there's another championship, by the way. So don't yeah. feel too bad for Willow there because she's a strong style champion. Yeah. So this is what we call a dog walking match. If we were at home, this is where <laughs> you go walk the dog, you go flip the laundry, go flip the oven, whatever you got to do. And you have better gone to the bathroom at this point because oh, yeah. the marathon is about to begin. We got Kenny Omega versus Will Osprey flanked, as they put in the AW championship, uh, in the AW uh, website, flanked by Don Callis and military-grade security guards. I was sure the security guards were going to play a huge part in this. I was surprised they were not. That match, I think, was an hour, if not pretty close. I got to yeah. say... One of the greatest matches I've ever seen in my life. Will Osprey is everything they said and more. Um, Cornette really hated this match. He said this is two circus freaks that looked like they were just doing their own thing and putting on a show for the sake of putting on a show. This wasn't a real wrestling match. Yeah. I don't agree at all. I think, honestly, I think this was brutal. This was captivating. Uh, there was one point I thought that Kenny Omega was dead. I saw him... <laughs> land on his head uh he yeah. was hanging off from the outside and they crushed him and i thought oh my god kenny omega's dead who killed kenny but yeah, uh, that's what i said <laughs> i yelled that out i'm like oh my gosh you killed kenny <laughs> it looked like it did that looked really bad and i'm gonna tell you there's no way that kenny omega does not have a concussion of it so aside from the quality of the match captivating the fans the, the people were on the edge of their seats for an hour does it really have to be this brutal? Do, the, do they really have to punish their bodies this much to get this attention? What was your take on this match? This match was, like you said earlier, one of the best I've ever witnessed live. And this is where earlier I said it reminded me of WrestleMania. This was the Rock and Hogan moment, uh, WrestleMania 18, where the fans just erupted and all the energy went through the roof. And... Uh, do they need to go to these lengths? No. Do I appreciate it? Absolutely. These guys are showing you why they're the best. These guys are showing you the passion. They're showing you how good pro wrestling can be with the right people doing it. And these both athletes, you couldn't ask a single thing more of. Absolute stand-up, uh, standing ovation for both. It was an insane match. All the spots... The tributes to HBK with the Canada flag. I don't know if you caught that or not. <laughs> How amazing. could you miss it? Yeah, amazing. You've got, uh, you know, um, the you know when when he cleaned up <laughs> a bit of the the blood off his arm. I was just 
and then the chance afterwards uh, you know we could, you can't repeat here but the chance afterwards and him just taking it in stride and playing it don callis you know an absolute as much as those two guys shined he shined too it was an absolute like gem of a match i don't think for a long time we're going to see a match that good live in toronto i'll tell you that are you a fan of the show arrested development yes i am is that is don callis the father from arrested development <laughs> i think he's the father's brother <laughs> but he looks like him right yeah he does absolutely okay explain to me one of the shenanigans okay don callis got booted from ringside right yes but he comes back at the end and the ref just lets that go. I, I hated that part. I don't get it. It, it cheapened it. It cheapened right. the match a bit. At it least is. come out, chuck in what you need to chuck, get thrown back out. And that's it. You know? Or don't be seen or something. Something yeah. didn't add up there. Uh, Will Osprey, can we just please have him at AW Dynamite every week? Can we please hear this man on the mic? Honestly, we are we're, uh, we're we're missing out on greatness here. Like so many of the people we watch week in week out, you gotta watch his matches. Like we are, he he's a gem. Uh, where where do you see his wrestling future ultimately, JP? Where's he going? Is he gonna go to AW full time? Is he gonna go I to would, WWE? What's what's his future? I would love him in AEW hands down. Not only because I'm a, a big fan of AEW, but I think it's the best fit for his style. I couldn't picture him doing too well with having management down your throat. This is what your character is. You can't have blood. You can't have extreme jumps or maneuvers. Pile drivers are pretty much banned in WWE for the most part, right? I was blown away. I haven't seen a pile driver live in like quite a few years, since the, maybe since Taker, because he was the only one allowed to do it. But I haven't seen pile drivers in years. And this weekend, we got a bunch of them, right? So I, I think he'd fare way better in AEW. If he does come this way, I, I would love to see him there. How about you? So, you know, it makes me think, like, for example, Orange Cassidy, if you were to send him to WWE, he's screwed. To the moon. They will, oh. Orange Cassidy, they would kill his character. They would kill him. They would make him a jobber and a half. He'd be playing a jobber poker games. He'd be out with Viking Raiders and with Otis, like it'd be bad, bad. I think he's way better where he is with Osprey. That's what I was going to say. Like with him, I'm not Osprey the, with, with his meanness and his on the mic, I could see him being the next triple H for sure. And a guy I would love to see him one day fight. If he hasn't done it already, Matt Cardona, I could see him and Cardona having great, you know, battles. So uh, Osprey's a guy, if I'm betting money, WWE watching that, I, I, I think they throw him enough money. I think he'll forego the pile drivers, but. Time will tell, my friend. Time will tell. It's similar to, like, the next match, Darby Allen. You put Darby Allen in WWE, and they're going to job him like there's no tomorrow. He's going to be, you know, freaking, be mopping the floors and then skateboarding, you know. But uh, when are we going to have the Darby Allen turn on Sting? Is it coming? Please tell me this. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know because they seem to be clicking really well. I think I think it would be a good match for Stinger because Darby is quite uh, light by wrestling standards, right? He's he's not too heavy, so like Sting could pull off some powerful moves, some suplexes, things like that. Um, but I can't see it right now. They're really vibing. They're getting along great. 
Um, and I think Darby still needs the rub from Sting, to be honest. It's helping him for sure. The only thing that's not helping though Dude. is that he comes out to Sting's music. Uh, it, it, they should start off with Sting's music and then move to Darby's music and give Darby a better push. Cause right now he's like Sting's, you know what? So, yeah. and another guy who's somebody's, you know, what is Sammy Guevara. And I'm really happy because I'm not happy. He's turning face. I'm not crazy about that, but mm-hmm. he, you could see he's, he's going to turn on the Ocho. It's coming. And Jericho, you know, ever since uh, the action Andretti fiasco, uh, he's semi-jobbing it. Like, aside from the uh, sing-alongs, which we'll talk about one of these weeks because it's coming, <laughs> uh, aside from Judas, uh, he's looking kind of flat out there now. They're really like, you know, he was world champion like a minute ago, and now he's really jobbing. Like, what's going on there? Is that on purpose? I, I think so. I mean, it's no no secret that Chris Jericho leads one of the most insanely busy lives between doing podcasts, singing on tour, doing uh, series uh, voiceovers, doing a bit of acting in between, and wrestling full-time. And cruises, and he organizes cruises. And and cruises and everything, all the incredible things that he does. And that's why, to me, he's the greatest of all time in my books, is because he's so amazing. Uh, But but looking at him, uh, he's, he's one of those guys, I think, where he's happy to give back to the sport. And you gotta love that. He's not a Goldberg, he's not a Hogan, where he knows he's the man and he's not going to let anybody pin him on any given night. He's not going to, you know, he he wants to boost the company. And I love that so much about him. He's a real team player and just an absolute stud. Like if I had a wrestling promotion, he's a guy I would love to have on board and build around too, because he's just incredible. I couldn't say it better myself. And so we got our Judas. We got it twice, back-to-back nights. Yep. And we got the result we wanted. So let's leave it at that. And then the finale. You're thinking after all this, yeah. how are they going to pull this off? So we have main event time. It's the American Dragon, Brian Danielson versus the Rainmaker, Okada. So you and I are in agreement on this. Not everybody on the web is. But we got the final countdown and we got it three times. I loved it. I thought it was fantastic Absolutely. because here he is part of BCC. But they're blurring the lines again. He's kind of faceish right now, but is he a heel? I don't really care. But the final countdown is cool. I liked it that the BCC did not come out. We didn't get to those shenanigans. Mm-hmm. We had a pure wrestling match. I gotta be honest now. You gotta tell me when he was lying on the ground twitching. Did you think he was having a seizure? The whole stadium got real quiet there. Did you think it was a job? Did you think that he was actually having a seizure or did you think something was going on? What was your take on it? Because I honestly thought he was having a seizure and I, my heart was coming out of my chest. Yeah, I, I actually thought that it was a work for a second, right? Because I'm like, he's he's in tip-top shape. He's, he takes such good care of his body. Like he's super careful with his diet. He's exercising very well. You know, he's super cautious about, you know, making sure he gives his body as much time as possible in wrestling. So... I, I thought it was part of part of the act, but I did notice partway through you could see him really clutching his hand and keeping it close to to his body, and that's when I got really concerned for him. I I, I got to say this much, like, and I think I'm pretty good at reading the kind of stuff. I thought once they were talking everything, I, I thought if this is a job, he's going to then all of a sudden start you know guides guides the guy's eyes out or something. He didn't do it. 
And he kept going for submission maneuvers. They were done as far as actually wrestling. And I thought, wow, like, you know, he's a, he's a submission magician out there. Yeah. And even when he was walking around with the crowd, he kept walking around the crowd. I'm like, okay, he's playing up the arm thing. I get it. Like, you know, they always walk around with their neck. They're always like, yeah, yeah. my neck. Everybody or always the hand always at the lower back. <laughs> always grabbing the neck or the back or something. Uh, let's give Brian Danielson some credit. He had a broken arm out there and he finished it off. And not, he didn't just finish it off. He did a parade around. He high-fived the entire crowd. He stayed seemingly forever. I left and he was still going and he was out there. He's like, let's do final countdown yet again. It was the third yeah. play. So with a broken arm, he thanked Toronto. He gave, he poured his heart out. He finished the match well. Uh, he is a true gutsy guy and he's earned my respect. And I'm going to say he's one of the best technical wrestlers. And that night he really, really, he brought it home and good on him because if they would have finished the match at that point, the way it was looking, it would have been flat. I know the guy's injured, but he didn't let that happen. Uh, maybe a little foolish, but let's give the man the credits. He blew the house down. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I felt a little sad for, for him because we had just been about five hours in wrestling, cheering our heads off, especially after Omega. The crowd is exhausted at the end. They, uh, uh, Okada and um, Danielson, they deserved a way, way better crowd than what they got. But we still brought it, the Toronto crowd. We tried our best to boost it, but they did deserve a way better crowd. It's just people were exhausted, especially after two days of wrestling over 11 hours of action. That was a lot of wrestling to take in. Even my voice was shot for the next two days. So I think I, they just deserved a bit better crowd for well, that match. Okay. In fairness, it's understandable. I, I, hear, I hear you, but there was one set of crowd and there was a different crowd. The crowd at the beginning went bananas. I felt after we thought he was having a stroke or whatever he was doing on the, on the mat there, yeah. the crowd was out of it for the rest of the match. People were like it. You could drop a pin in that arena at that point. Yeah, I we, remember it. It was bad. And I think I get you that we were there for five hours and everything else. And I think that's what took it out. But when the match was finished and then he made sure to stay behind, he stayed forever. He was there, what, 20 minutes? And yeah. he wanted to bring it and put a great finale. That's 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 Danielson right there. I think he he did that. But I had to say the injury is, is what could have killed it. Excalibur yeah. put it really well. He puts the arena is stunned. I'm stunned. Danielson forced Okada to tap out. Tonight was a love letter to professional wrestling. Oh, Exc beautiful words. Yeah. And Excalibur. I is, love Excalibur. He's man. great on the mic. He's so good. So good. He's so good. He's the next JR, man. He's so smooth and slick on the mic. It's unbelievable. It, it, and we're, we're really lucky. You know, we, we don't even realize how good he is, you know, and it's like, I know Tony Schiavone gets a lot of flack for his time on the mic <laughs> and being in, you know, backstage. I love Tony Schiavone. He's just great. Oh, same. Same. Shivani. Even in the WCW days, I was a big fan of Shivani. To see him live now is amazing. Um, but did you know some of the numbers that they pulled for Forbidden Door? Please, to share with us. I'd love so to hear Check it. this out. Okay. It was the third highest uh, gate sales in Canadian history. Followed, it, it, uh, the first one was 1990 WrestleMania. Hulk Hogan versus Ultimate Warrior. At the Sky Dome, and that brought in three point almost three point five million. 
Then you had WrestleMania, Hulk Hogan versus The Rock. And that was again at the Sky Dome, brought in 3.8 million. And, and in third place was Forbidden Door. It's top three at the highest. And I believe it brought in uh, 1.8 or, or sorry, 1.6 million Canadian for gate sales. It beat out um, WWE's Elimination Chamber with Sami Zayn and Roman Reigns by 200K. I was there, by the way. Absolutely. I was I was at two of the top three. Yes. You know, but I was at the, it... I was at a tennis club watching the Ultimate Warrior Hogan match. I was watching because on closed circuit TV was called back then because yeah. we didn't have boxes to order pay-per-views. It was a little different. So you had to find yeah. somewhere to go watch it. And uh, you didn't have the Internet to stream it legally or illegally. So it was a very different time. But uh, that's where you notice we get a lot of wrestling events in Canada because we have some of the best wrestling fans on the planet, bar none, Absolutely. because I think we're convinced it's real. So that's me. Probably Absolutely. Good. And you know what, man? It, I, I, was, I, I am so impressed with such a young company doing so well. Like, they probably couldn't sell out the Sky Dome at this stage, realistically. But to see where they're at... It's unbelievable for AEW to be top three in Canada. That's like absolutely awesome. And and now you got that big event at the Wembley, right? So that's that's gonna shatter their pre this this is their current highest record and it's gonna shatter it from what I understand. I could be wrong about that, but I believe this is their highest record so far. I got a final question for you as we're finishing off. And the only way they're going to yeah. be able to do much with Wembley is if Drew McIntyre does the switchover. They're going to do something out of their butt. It's Oh, yeah. It's a tough They're game. sweating. WWE's sweating right now with Drew, I'm hearing from Yeah, reports. they should because uh, Tony Khan's going to open up the wallet. Uh, yeah, We were debating this for the two days of the event with Collision and Forbidden Door. Are we going to see a day where we're going to see a Forbidden Door AEW WWE? And if so... I'm going to presume WWE is going to be leading that one, but can you see a day it's going to happen? Because my answer is yes. I can definitely see it. It would benefit both companies. Um, and that I promise you will sell out the Sky Dome all day or sorry, Rogers center. But for me, it's forever the Sky Dome. It's going to, that an event like that has the ability to put a hundred thousand in seats you know, butts in seats, right? Um, fill up the Sky Dome easily. You call me up and you tell me they're doing an AEW WWE Forbidden Door. I'm there right now. So I yeah. agree. <laughs> so we covered a lot of ground today. We got to review a lot of the matches over at the AEW uh, New Japan uh, promotion for Forbidden Door number two. They'll definitely be number three. I doubt it's going to be back in Toronto. I'm going to circulate it around, but it's a great event. I think Tony Khan has to be really pleased with it. The only thing I'm going to say, Will Osprey and some of the guys, you know, let's bring him out some more and let's like make this more than a one-time-a-year event. For our next week's episode, I'm going to give you dealer's choice on this one. If you had a choice, because we're going to talk about for the next couple of weeks, do you want to talk about the top five wrestling managers or the top eight wrestling sing-along theme songs? Let's go sing-alongs, baby. All right, so... The dealers got it. So, folks, we'll see you next week on Professional Wrestling, the podcast, and we're talking about the top eight wrestling sing-along theme songs. See you, bro. See you, bro.